time to play ball. Welcome to the podcast with no limits. Whether it be sports, current events, or random thoughts, this is the place to step in and stay a while. Your host is a proud alumnus of Rio Hondo Prep, a former minor league baseball umpire, and a man with strong opinions. Welcome to the Get Home Safe podcast and your host, Matt Persima. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It is Friday, November 27th, 2020. Hopefully everyone had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I got to tell you guys right now, I am still uh, extremely full. We we went after it yesterday. We got after it. It was amazing. So much good food. Uh, I'm thinking a lot of other people did did the same. Just so much good food. I mean, we had first, seconds, fourths. I mean, we just kind of ate all day. And that's one of the beauties of Thanksgiving is I know some people sit at the table and they have this real formal dinner. Uh, kind of the Hershma men, we just kind of kind of pick all day, put, put the stuff out on the table, go in the living room, watch the game, get a plate, maybe come back an hour later and just kind of all day feast feast uh feast and football so a great thanksgiving uh yesterday with my brother and my dad was great just hanging out catching up uh we did some christmas decorating we got the stuff down ready to go so it's kind of odd with me and sam not living at the uh the old home uh glendora house anymore um usually throughout the years one of us was living there coming and going and the fact that it's just uh just my dad there now uh it's kind of special to go back to the house and celebrate thanksgiving to set up christmas decorations it's a little things really that do matter and uh just just really had a great time watching football all day i mean i know we were robbed of a third nfl game with the Ravens steelers game getting postponed to a few days from here but uh you know we may do we may do we got through it we 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 watched some college basketball a little bit of college football even i mean you got to you got to take what you can on thanksgiving i mean even if it is new mexico and utah state uh you know it is what it is so uh anyway some some good stuff we enjoyed ourselves again catching up having a few cervezas some cigars uh, ham and turkey, man, I could go on and on. Uh, but I, I probably need to not eat, uh, at all until Christmas Eve or so. So, uh, we all know that's not going to happen, but I probably should, I probably should, uh, hold off for a while on the old, uh, grubbing, grubbing, uh, good grub that we had. So anyway, I, man, I could keep talking about, it. we got leftovers for a couple days as I'm sure most of you, you know, turkey sandwich today, maybe in the afternoon sometime. Uh, one of the beautiful things about the Friday after Thanksgiving is, for some people, it's like, oh, the calm after the storm, you know, but other people, it's like, all right, let's go next thing, next thing, next play. Uh, let's get ready. Christmas. Let's decorate. Let's uh, let's uh, shop online. Let's do this and that. And I got to tell you, uh, FedEx, man, we're already getting slammed. We Wednesday night, I was slinging boxes at Target and they were totally overloaded. And <laughs> we're going to have a busy day today on Friday going back there and all the Black Friday sales and everything. I've never been a person that would go out and, and sit in a line for hours just to get a deal. Like I would much rather just I'll pay full price. I don't care. I, I really don't. I, I'm, I'm not, if I can't afford to pay full price, then I probably shouldn't be buying it in the first place. That's my mind. That's my mindset. I know you can get TVs for 70% off or whatever, but not my thing. Sam used to always do it. And Sam hates Christmas, which is hilarious. My brother, Sam, but he loves black Friday. He loves getting deals. 
And so some people after eating, I'm sure they went out and stood in line or a lot of people um, maybe not doing that as much this year because of the cold COVID thing. Um, a lot of people shopping online. I don't know. Whatever you do, it's uh, it's not just one day Thanksgiving. It's the entire weekend. And some would argue the whole week, right? Starting a little early on Wednesday. Uh, but anyway, uh, there's some lo- great college football on today on Friday, uh, which is cool to say. Uh, that's one thing I always liked about Thanksgiving was that Friday was like a free Saturday. Now I got to go to work and, and this and that. But still, there's games on. I mean, maybe not some incredible matchups uh this year because of records and everything but typically some good ones i mean notre dame north carolina uh, that should be a good football game eight and over six and two uh stanford and cal two bad teams but the rivalry right the rivalry makes it special oregon oregon state the civil war yes you can still call it the civil war you don't have to change because people are offended it's okay we can keep our traditions we can keep our names it's, it's, oh man, I'm going to call it the civil war from here on out. So for those of you Oregonians who listen to this show, you know, join me, resist, resist the change, resist the change. I got a funny, uh, speaking of Oregon, I got a, a text from uh, John Lee up in, uh, up in the, the Eugene area. And he sent me a, a picture of a sign of a, a outside a restaurant or, or whatever. And it said, all Oregonians need to wear masks inside and this and that. And his comment to me was, Hey, if you visit, you don't have to wear a mask. And I didn't get it at first. Then I did. I was like, Hey, if you want to be technical, your sign said Oregonians, not everyone here who visits this restaurant is an Oregonian. So John Lee, I like where our head's at. Uh, keep, keep those types of things coming. That was uh, great stuff. Uh, yeah. People want to get technical. Oh, we'll get technical. We can get into it if you want. So uh, <laughs> uh, th- that's how I was with officiating. There are so many rules and, uh, I don't know, regulations, r- rules that people don't really know about, policies and sports that are not really enforced to the letter of the law unless it was necessary. Like if someone's being a jerk or something, then maybe you do enforce something to the letter of the law. That's just officiating, guys. You never really you never took it to anyone like who didn't deserve it or anything. But, um, you know, the coach that's screaming his head off at you that kind of comes out onto the field a little bit. Yeah, hey, you might say, hey, get off the field. But if a guy kind of, you know, he's leaving you alone or whatever, just a, a heated moment, he kind of comes out on the field a little bit. You're not going to treat him the same as the guy that's been on your case all day. That's just an example. So, uh, yeah, the letter of the law, spirit of the law, that's something that uh, is always interesting. And I know there was a lot of that going on around the country with Thanksgiving. Some people didn't celebrate in big groups. Some people did. Some people were very open about, hey, this is how I'm celebrating. Come arrest me if you want. (laughs) And so uh, I think it's great. Hey, if if people want to celebrate in big groups, uh, I mean, in your own home, uh, I'm all for it. But I know, I know. I'm not going to ramble too much about all these things because uh, n- not everyone wants to hear it. I, I understand. So anyway, some good football on Friday. Be sure to tune in if you're home, maybe uh, starting the Christmas decorations. What better way than to have maybe some Christmas music going and some college football on in the background? I think it's uh, a great thing. Well, our, all our Christmas stuff is is going up uh, or has gone up here in the house on Friday. Uh, it will go up some more, and Saturday the tree will go up because I will be off and I'll be able to help participate in in that whole regard. So the house has transformed into the North Pole overnight here, and uh, some more good things 
in front of us. Uh, let me tell you about today's guest on the program. It is Gabe Perez. He's been on the program before. He's from the class of 2005 at Rio Hondo Prep. He is a guy who's always been involved or interested, I should say, in fighting. And by that, I mean combat sports, UFC, boxing. Uh, we talk a little bit about that, but one of the big things Gabe has done over the years as he's been involved, the uh, owner-operator of the CrossFit in North Pasadena. And last time he was on the show, he was talking to me about how things kind of were getting difficult. They were shutting gyms down and everything. Uh, very tough for a small business owner, especially in Southern California. Well, uh, things have changed, obviously, since uh, since that uh, interview back in May, I believe it was. So he's going to fill us in on kind of some of the obstacles uh, that occurred the past few months with the COVID restrictions and everything and how sometimes that, you know, things do happen for a reason. Sometimes things work out for you even when you didn't think it would work out that way. You know what I mean? So you, you guys are going to hear what I mean here. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, UFC, um, kind of this uh, this crazy world that we're in in 2020. So we're also going to talk to Gabe about uh, being a father. He and his wife, Karina, just had uh, their first son, Cruz. So congrats to the Perez family. Uh, yes, we will spend a little bit of time talking to Gabe about uh, his early days in fatherhood here. So that's probably, a, that's at the beginning of our interview. But uh, after that, we'll get into a ton of other things. So I hope you guys enjoy this interview today. Happy post-Thanksgiving. Merry Christmas. Can we still say, I don't, that hasn't been outlawed yet. So I'm gonna I'm gonna continue to say Merry Christmas probably every podcast from here until uh, New Year's Day. That that's because uh, then we're celebrating. Then it's Happy New Year. It'll be Happy New Year for a whole month after uh, 2021 finally gets here. But anyway, Merry Christmas to all out there. I know we got a month, but uh, it's the Christmas season, right? It's not just a one day thing. It's a Christmas season, and uh, we don't need to say Happy Holidays. If you don't celebrate Christmas, that's fine. We don't say Happy Holidays for for Halloween. Can you imagine that? Hey, Happy Holiday. What? It's it's Halloween. Oh, yeah, I know, but just in case, you know, you don't celebrate it. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> anyway, you guys are going to hear a lot of that this past this uh, this next month, so stay tuned, strap in, and get ready. Uh, that's enough out of me rambling uh, my post-Thanksgiving uh, thoughts, but let's get to our interview with Gabe. But first, we do have a rather quick Suds with Studs segment, and we do this every Friday, just a few minutes to talk about some heroes, some either uh, military personnel or police officers, people like that. Uh, just pay a quick little tribute to them, some short summaries, some short short stories, if you will. And uh, as, as always, I encourage you guys to look up their names, read up on them, watch a five-minute, ten-minute video on these people to learn more because I honestly can't do it justice, do them justice in, in five or ten minutes. Uh, but uh, anyway, a special segment of the Suds with Studs uh, segment today, special edition, I should say. Uh, it pays tribute to uh, some people that I think listening to this show today will uh, relate to. We are paying a uh, special tribute to some people from Wyoming in honor of uh, not Gabe Perez being on the program, but his wife Karina is from the state of Wyoming. So I thought, well, let's uh, let's do something that kind of ties into Wyoming if we can. And, and I wish I could have done done better job here, but it was just a few minutes. You'll see what I mean here. Uh, but again, I encourage you guys to uh, look up some of the names and uh, 
and learn a little bit about these people that we're going to discuss here in our Suds with Studs segment. So I will take a quick break. We'll do the Suds with Studs, and then we'll dive into the interview with Gabe Perez here on Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving and uh, Merry Christmas. Not too early to say it. I will say so. So anyway, guys, uh, let's get after it. Suds with Studs and then Gabe Perez right after this. Well, guys, one of the things we have been doing on Fridays as part of our show is doing a segment called Suds with Studs. For those of you who are new to the segment, uh, it is basically just a couple of minutes where we spend some time to talk about some heroes, some soldiers, some police officers, firefighters, just uh, sometimes everyday citizens who do remarkable things or maybe even uh, people that just had an amazing career, uh, a, a career of service, a life of service and giving to others. Uh, we've talked about a lot of Medal of Honor winners uh, on this segment. That's kind of the types of people we want to uh, talk about here. We call it Suds with Studs because these are people that if it were at all possible, we would love to sit down and have a beer with. And you can be guaranteed that if it were possible and we could sit down and have a beer, that I would not just be buying the first round, but all the rounds. So we're going to do something a little different today, a little special, if you will. We've talked about a lot of different military personnel, a lot of different service members, uh, police officers, as I mentioned. Uh, today, we're going to do kind of a, kind of a, a bonus uh suds with studs if you will it's not just one person i'm going to talk about five people and i'm going to do it rather quickly as you guys know i usually just give a brief summary and i encourage you guys every week man go take five minutes ten minutes look up these people read about them look up their names uh look up the story go into more detail than i really can here because i i want you to know about these people and uh, they deserve our uh, our respect and and we should be uh, remembering these types of people uh, all the time. Uh, today, in honor of Gabe Perez being on the program, uh, his wife uh, Karina just had uh, their uh, beautiful son, and Karina hails from the great state of Wyoming. So I thought I'd look up uh, Wyoming's uh, greatest war heroes. And today we are going to be talking about five individuals who hailed from the state of Wyoming who won the Medal of Honor. Uh, this is a this is an article that was written by Rick Rodman back in May of 2016. Um, and basically, he gives a quick summary here of five Medal of Honor winners uh, from the state of Wyoming. So let's get right into it. Uh, first off, Major William Edward Adams of Casper, Wyoming. Major Adams served as an Army helicopter pilot in the Vietnam War. On May 25, 1971, he volunteered to help rescue three seriously injured soldiers from a base that was under attack. In fact, in the excuse me, in the face of heavy enemy fire, Adams landed the aircraft and gathered the wounded. While departing the base, the helicopter was struck by anti-aircraft fire and eventually fell. Uh, our second member we will talk about is Sergeant Major Edward Lee Baker Jr. of Laramie County, Wyoming. Sergeant Major Baker served in, in the Army's 10th Cavalry during the Spanish-American War. On July 1, 1898, he abandoned cover under heavy enemy fire to rescue a fellow soldier who was drowning near Santiago, Cuba. 
Our third member of our Suds with Studs segment today, uh, another Medal of Honor winner from the state of Wyoming is First Lieutenant Vernon J. Baker of Cheyenne, Wyoming. Army Lieutenant Baker served in the weapons platoon of Company C in World War II. On April 5, 1945, he led an attack against an entrenched German machine gun battalion in the mountains near Viareggio, excuse me, Viareggio, Italy. After destroying three enemy emplacements, he exposed himself to enemy fire while covering the evacuation of wounded soldiers. The next day, Baker spearheaded an advance through a minefield and helped secure another objective under fire. Fourth person we will talk about today is Technical Sergeant Charles F. Carey Jr. of Cheyenne, Wyoming. Army Sergeant Carey served in the 10th, excuse me, the 100th Infantry Division and the 397th Infantry. On January 8, 1945, his battalion was attacked by 12 German tanks in Rimling, France. Unarmed, he managed to rescue two squads and evacuated the wounded. He then led a charge against a house fortified by enemy snipers, entered alone, and later emerged with 16 prisoners. The next day, he was struck by sniper fire while attempting to rescue four of his fellow soldiers. The fifth and final uh, person we will discuss today, uh, another Medal of Honor winner from Wyoming, is 2nd Lieutenant Charles Duvall Roberts of Fort D.A. Russell, Wyoming. Lieutenant Roberts served in the 17th Infantry during the Spanish-American War. On July 1st, 1898, he led a rescue mission on the front lines of a battle in El Caney, Cuba, while facing heavy enemy fire. So those are just very brief descriptions of five individuals uh, from the state of Wyoming, all Medal of Honor winners. Some World War II in there, some Spanish-American War, the Vietnam War, I mean... Uh, it, we, we bounced around. I know it was just very quick summaries, but again, I encourage you guys, please go look up these people, go read their names, read their stories, get a, get a better uh, understanding of the things that they did. Cause I, I simply can't do them justice. Uh, and, and I know it was just kind of a, a quick uh, suds with studs segment today, but I just wanted to kind of pay tribute to the state of Wyoming. Uh, in, in uh, you know, our guest today, Gabe, his wife is from Wyoming, and I thought it was very fitting. So five Medal of Honor winners from the state of Wyoming. Please look up their names, read their stories. I will say their names once again. First off, Major William Edward Adams. Second, Sergeant Major Edward Lee Baker, Jr. Third, First Lieutenant Vernon J. Baker. Fourth, Technical Sergeant Charles F. Carey, Jr. And finally, 2nd Lieutenant Charles Duvall Roberts. Guys, please go look up their names, read their stories. These are uh, more of the types of people that we want to continue to talk about here every single Friday in one of our favorite segments, Suds with Studs. Okay, he is making a return appearance to the podcast. It's been quite a few months since we last spoke. A lot has changed since then. We are joined today by Gabe Perez. Uh, he was on the program, man, uh, way back, kind of towards the beginning of everything. 
And uh, as I mentioned, there's been a lot of things that have changed, some very good, some very bad. So we're going to talk about a lot of different things today. We'll touch on some fighting, some Dodgers baseball, and of course, the crazy world that is 2020. Gabe Perez, welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me on again, Matt. You know, Gabe, this is much easier doing this Zoom thing. Uh, I can see you. You can see me. Uh, you know, it, it's a lot easier than just doing that uh, Anchor app phone conversation because last time we talked towards the end, there started to be some audio issues. So I'm hoping there's nothing here like that today. Yeah, yeah, no problem. <laughs> well, you sound loud and clear. And, and Gabe, there's, there's plenty of things to discuss uh, we won't talk too much about Rio Hondo Prep or Care Youth League this time because we covered that in the last podcast. <laughs> uh, but, you know, there's some, some great things that have happened and some bad things. This, this year has just been nuts. Uh, but one thing that I must get, get, uh, get out there right away, right as we start here, is congratulations. Congratulations to you and your wife, Karina. You guys, welcome to the world. A, uh, a son not too long ago. So congrats on that. When was the birthday and how many weeks now have you been a father? So first of all, thank you. Uh, very, very excited. Um, having a blast with it. Uh, the, the birth date was 926, uh, which was a Saturday night at 824 p.m. So you sports fans should understand the significance of 824. So that was pretty cool. Um, double Kobe time. Um, you know, it was, it was, um, almost surreal, you know, I, I, with the pandemic, I don't know what to compare it to, but with the pandemic, it was definitely, um, different than what we planned for, like by the book, my wife and I are like hyper, uh, we're very studious. So before the birth even happened, my wife had already read like six books on it. I'd already read a few books and we kind of like had it planned out how we wanted it to go. And then as the pandemic got more and more serious, we realized that, well, nobody else can be there. So it was just going to be me and her. And then once the baby was born, his name is Cruz Daniel Perez. Um, once Cruz was born, we were not allowed to leave the room. And I think Danny Castro actually talked about that uh, yeah. for like five days. We were stuck in there for five days. And, you know, it was nice having the nurses always available, but it was pretty miserable. You know, my wife, uh, she had a C-section, so she was not comfortable. I was sleeping on a couch. Um, the baby was like zero schedule whatsoever. You know, I mean, every 45 minutes, the baby's screaming and you're just making sure that the baby, like my first goal was like, okay, do not let the baby die on your watch. Like when Karina's asleep, your job is to keep the baby alive and then, and then you can take a rest. And that's like the biggest fear is, okay, just make sure this baby makes it home don't drop the ball. And um, yeah, now he is eight. No, what is he? He's eight. He's eight weeks. So he's at two months now. Two months. Um, he's, uh, I, don't, I don't know his measurements. I know his percentiles, but he's like 99 percentile in length. And we, we're not sure where that height came from. So hopefully he keeps it up. Uh, but it's been fun, man. I, uh, I have a lot of beef with the advice we were given as, as new parents. I, I, you know, you can relate to this. People almost make it, they try to make it sound like it's going to be way harder than it is. And I don't know if it's because people want, they want to have experienced like the hardest thing there's ever been. 
but people are just like, oh, you're never going to sleep. You're never going to sleep at all. It's going to be te- poop everywhere. And I mean, it hasn't, it hasn't been terrible. Like we had a few, a few rough nights, um, but I, I've had worse, I've had worse jobs. You know, I, I've, I've cleaned up, we were janitors for the drain, for the, for the yeah, drain yeah, services. Yeah, I've enough said, up. enough said, <laughs> enough said. I know where you're going with this. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it, it hasn't been that bad, man. I mean, th- there's definitely some misconceptions that we found out, uh, I guess, the hard way. But it's been a blast. The guy is so much fun. Uh, and, I, you know, you try not to be that parent that's like, <laughs> I, I always hated it when someone has an infant and they're like, you know, I could already tell he's so smart. Like, he's so... <laughs> I'm just he's not I can't tell anything like that and I really try hard not to be like that um but if I'm being honest I told Todd Carson this uh before he was born I went on to like the CDC website for for whatever reason they're the ones that have it but they have like expected benchmarks like at two months the baby should be able to move his head and at four months so I have those written down and our goal, my goal is for him to beat those benchmarks, like every single step. Uh, it's going well. It's going pretty, my wife rolls her eyes at me. It's going well. He, he's beaten every benchmark, <laughs> but yeah, it's been, it's been fun. It's been you're, a lot of fun. You're already coaching. You're already in trainer mode. <laughs> tell i could i could see you probably have a chart up gabe with with like uh hey by by three months we need to be here i mean you you are the great motivator uh so yeah i think he's in great hands i gotta say from some of your comments so you're telling me wait a minute this is this is uh breaking news in 2020 you're telling me people overreact uh is that what you're telling me i that that is shocking to me i can't even <laughs> there's no way people overreact <laughs> impossible <laughs> we got to the hospital we couldn't even bring like we couldn't bring more than one bag in. you couldn't bring a pillow you couldn't bring i mean there was it was hospitals okay like you're at ground zero that's fine uh but that was surprising too like we, we showed up to the hospital because it was like a planned induced labor and we had all our bags ready to go and we got to the door and they said well you can't have more than one bag so I went back to the car and like stuffed everything in one bag. And then I come back and they said, you can't wear that hoodie. I'm like, okay, go back to the car, put the hoodie back, come back. They're like, is that a pillow in the bag? I'm like, yes, it's a pillow. You can't have that pillow. Go back to the car. Meanwhile, my wife is like in, in the delivery room or in, in the waiting room rather. So I was, that was a pretty, that was the only annoying part. Everything else was fine. Wow. Yeah. I, I've heard about, uh, you mentioned Danny Castro and, and, it's really fun talking to new parents on this podcast so far. And it's crazy in this year, 2020, where, you know, the, the lockdown and the pandemic and, and all these rules and restrictions, I'm like, it almost seems more unsafe with some of the things they are uh, in the hospitals, like with, with that and keeping people locked up basically. And you can't have pillows. You can't have a, a sweatshirt. You can't have joy, no joy, Gabe. So uh, <laughs> I, I'm glad you guys found joy and everything is going well. Before we continue, I must raise a glass here to you, Gabe, you and Karina. Congrats to the new parents. Cheers, my friend. Cheers. By the way, this is like my eighth beer because um, if you've ever been on a podcast with Matt, he's like the cable company. He's like, all right, be prepared between Saturday at at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 2 p.m. So you're just like waiting 
So anyways, yeah, well, cheers. Cheers, my friend. Well, we were supposed to record uh, Saturday. This is Sunday we're recording, and I was supposed to record Saturday. And I, uh, my friend, our friend, Todd Carson was in town. So I had lunch with Todd about 1 o'clock, and I thought I'd have uh, time by, hey, oh, hey, let's shoot for 3.34. And sure enough, you know, Todd and I, I should have known, him and I talked for a while and had a good conversation. <laughs> and uh, so I had to push you back. And by the time I was ready, Gabe was uh, flipping steaks for the family. So, hey, we made it happen either way. I am sorry for the for the nah, No problem. <laughs> hey, and if you get a few more uh, brewskis in you, there's nothing wrong with that. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> well, uh, well, Gabe, again, congrats. That's awesome. So Cruz, Cruz is your middle name, correct? Yeah. So Cruz is my middle name. And that came from my mom's side. My grandfather's first name was Cruz. So we, we like the uh, keeping the family names. We like that concept. I never really thought of it. Uh, but Karina really loved that idea. And uh, I've always loved my middle name. I think it's really unique. So we, we slapped that name on him. And then Daniel, very strong biblical name. Love it. Um, and uh, yeah. Very cool. Uh, well, CDP has a nice little ring to it. You know, nice mm -hmm. little initials there. So uh, very cool. Well, you know, I say congrats to you, Gabe, but uh, quite honestly, you didn't really do a whole lot of the work. Karina really did. So uh, how was she doing after, uh, you know, the pregnancy and everything? She doing well? They build women in Wyoming different. <laughs> She's, uh, she is just, you know, I've always told people this and, you know, maybe we're past the whole like, talk up your bride before the wedding but I still say to this day she is the I've never found that balance of somebody that is she's an educator so she's got that heart she cares um she asks good questions to anybody so even if she doesn't agree with somebody she'll always ask good questions but at the same time I mean just tough as nails man we we purchased our duplex uh in Azusa and I have pictures of her like in overalls, like seven to eight months pregnant, pulling weeds because she just wouldn't stay inside. She's like, well, I can do it. I'm like, I know you can, but you probably shouldn't. She's like, I'm fine. I'm fine. And yeah, man, she's, uh, she's amazing. She's been doing amazing. And I'll tell you, man, one of the coolest things is watching your, your wife or your, your girlfriend become your fiance, your fiance become your wife. And then watch your wife, like, day by day, transform into a mother. It's incredible. It's incredible. And, and you know, I, I, when, we, when we had the baby, I was, I, before that, I was literally practicing swaddling a, like a, a doll. I was, like, practicing. I was on YouTube, like, okay, I got to do this, right? I kid you not, man. Like, the game time came. The baby's on the, on the couch, and I'm like, it's time for me to swaddle. And I just lose it. I can't do anything. Karina comes up, hasn't seen a single video, just swaddles like perfectly, just understands what he wants. I can't understand a thing he wants. He just, he just cries. But it's, it's really cool to see that, that role. I don't, yeah, what role, role's like not okay to say anymore. It's a role and it's amazing to see my wife take on that role just automatically. It's, it's incredible to see. 
Well, I got to say, she probably feels similarly to you. She probably is critical of some of the things you do, but, you know, seeing you become uh, the guy she's dating to now your fiance, her fiance to husband and now father, I mean, I'm sure it's a, you know, two-sided coin there that that you're doing a great job too, Gabe. I mean, we'll have to have her on sometime and maybe confirm that, but, uh, (laughs) (laughs) or deny that, whatever. But no, it's it's wonderful stuff, young parents. So I got to ask you, you said uh, off the bat, a lot of people overreact. Worst case scenario, doomsday this, doomsday that. Uh, the first few months of uh, parenthood, you guys are both kind of, you both kind of feel like, man, this, of course it's great, but it's not as bad as maybe some people said it was going to be. Yeah. I mean, the, I think there's a few different angles on that because, you know, I think us growing up, I think it's similar to say, you know, real hondo guys grow up similarly like you know you wake up at 7 a.m to to seed the field mm-hmm. why don't ask why it's because mr reed said so so go see the field you know what i mean it's like you just do what you're supposed to do and you don't ask questions and you know what sometimes it sucks but you have to keep in mind you know someday there's going to be kids you know playing a championship baseball game on this field so i'm going to do it anyways i i just think there's there's more difficult things out there and you know I like to think I've had some trials in my life and people have definitely had it worse, but I think when you're able to keep perspective on, on your situation, it's not nearly as bad. Um, And I mean, not to mention, you know, we we're trying this whole, uh, I I get, I guarantee you a lot of parents are going to like scoff at this when I say, but we're doing sleep training with the baby. Um, And sleep training is like, now as you're feeding, it's for an infant, people think it's not possible and absolutely is. Uh, we've, we've been doing it and that's probably been like the way we've survived is the baby is sleeping right now. He's going to sleep for another 30 to 45 minutes. And he's going to wake up and it's going to be time for him to eat. I don't care if he's not hungry, he's going to eat because it's time to eat. And you know, and you just, you time block this kid. Yeah. And, and um, that's definitely helped because too many people kind of buy into that. They're like, well, once we have our newborn, our life is over. We're just going to kind of, we're going to kind of just live by the baby. And people even say it jokingly now they say, Oh, so how old is, how old is Cruz now? And I'll say, Oh, you know, he's, he's six weeks now. And they're like, Oh, he, he's the boss of the house, isn't he? And I'll say, I'll say yes, because that's the answer they're looking for. But he's, he, you know, we've kind of built the house and now he's, in it. So he's going to follow the rules and he's going to do those things. And, and, you know, I've seen it happen multiple times in, in CrossFit where a family will have a kid. And by the time the kid's like three years old, the parents have put on like 40 pounds and it's because like, Oh, well, you know, we can't come to the, we can't work out anymore because, you know, he just, he doesn't sleep very long. And it's just, you know, it's, it's disappointing to see because you just have to take it, kind of take it by the horns. Like, no, this is the schedule this is how you're going to be. And, you know, there will be up, there will be bad nights. Like he had a bad night, like three nights ago where he just would not sleep. And, you know, that's fine. But for the most part, we're getting like six hours of sleep in a row. We've had a few nights where we've gotten seven hours of sleep in a row. I never did that before, baby, you know? So (laughs) it's, it's been, it's been going well. We're definitely due for some, some, some hurdles and we're ready for it, but yeah, it's been fine. Well, you want to take it by the horns, Gabe. I mean, that, that's really well said. I mean, we'll, we'll get him a Rams jersey here in the mail real soon. So, <laughs> so keep an eye, keep your eye open for that. I think uh, 
you know, very, very good things ahead for, for Cruz. I'm very happy for you. Um, <laughs> uh, let, let's get into this. Uh, I, I've heard great things about the sleep training too, from other parents and how it's just a good way to go about, um, uh, you know, an infant and everything. So uh, great stuff. Sounds like you guys are doing very well. Uh, it's excellent news. Uh, unfortunately, we have to talk about some negative news here uh, as well. And, and maybe you can kind of uh, explain to the listeners, kind of uh, give them some details here. The last time you were on this program, Gabe, was May 22nd. Been a long time. And you were telling me all about uh, the, the gym that you run. You run the CrossFit in North Pasadena. Um, you were kind of, we were in the middle of the whole lockdown shutdown thing. And, you know, it was not looking good for a lot of people in your situation, small business owners, especially gyms. Um, since then there's been some changes. And so what can you tell us, tell the listeners about, um, your, your small business, uh, and how hard it is to operate not only in Southern California, but also amid all these lockdown uh, restrictions. Yeah. So man, that's like a, everyone buckle up for like 20 minutes here. So there's a, there, the CrossFit gyms were lumped in with, uh, with gyms in general. So you have your 24 hour fitness gyms, which have like 10,000 members, <clears throat> commercial, huge production, tons of people going through it. Um, you see some nasty people in there. That's just kind of the nature of big gyms. And unfortunately, um, CrossFit gyms, which usually have about 100 to 200 members, were lumped in with that. And we tried really hard to express, we even did like a whole YouTube commercial thing, trying to get the, you know, anybody really to, to see that CrossFit gyms were not the same. Now, here's the thing, man, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm business minded, and I try not to get emotional. And, and for the most part, I'm pretty good at it. There was no way we were going to be considered separate from a Globo gym. If you think about it from, you know, some head honcho, they're not going, I mean, think about it. Everybody's different than the others, right? I mean, every, our barbershop is different because, uh, because of this, our, you know, salon is different because of this. So I never thought we were going to be viewed separate from all the Globo gyms. So we were kind of already prepared and, you know, when you and I had that conversation in May, the plan was already to exit. And we didn't want to share that because, I mean, we still had a, a lease to cover and, and, you know, people hear about that, they make a run on their membership. And, you know, before you know it, you know, we're, we're out of, we're out of luck. But I will say that, um, you know, I've always had a, uh, let me phrase it this way. God has always looked out for me more than I deserve the, and, and, you know, the, the concept is I'm, I don't deserve much of anything yet. When I look back, God has always put these certain things in place that at the time I did not understand. I did not like, um, and you know, it's always worked out amazing. Now, when it comes to business and commercial leases, what people need to understand is, you know, when you sign a commercial lease, it's kind of ridiculous because the lease is essentially uh, for, you know, five years, 10 years, 15 years, and there's no exit. The, there is actually a clause in a commercial lease that says the only way to get out of this lease is to pay off the balance owed. 
which is the most ridiculous thing you'll ever hear. Um, another thing is leases or commercial buildings are usually owned by like a group of people, like 10 to 15 people. So it's not like you can plead your case to one person with a heart. Instead, you're kind of like sending an email and it gets sent around 10 people and they can all just be like, ah, screw that guy. Keep, keep him on the hook. We don't care. Um, let, let me yeah. ask you, Gabe, uh, real quick, wh while you're discussing this is, I, I mean, I, I know you may only realize uh, the California laws or whatever, but are you, are you speaking from a strictly California standpoint or is this kind of national, some of these policies? Um, you know, I would honestly, I'd go as far to say it's national. Okay. Uh, California is very, and the reason I say that is because California is, <clears throat> excuse me, California is a, a, incredibly tenant and buyer friendly, meaning you, as, as a buyer or consumer in California, you're a hyper, hyper, hyper protected. So this is the most protection we can get in California. If you're in Texas, I mean, man, I, I can't imagine what the leases are like there. Um, but, you know, the, the lease, every time we signed a lease, we were basically, and if, again, if you look at it from a 30,000 foot view, if I sign a five-year lease and I, and the, the rent is, you know, $10,000 a month, I'm essentially signing up to pay off a half a million dollar balance through 10 years or five years. So you need to think of it that way. A lot of times um, people don't think of it that way. So like, let's say I sign a 20 year lease and five years in, I go belly up. I have two options. I can try to figure out a way to make ends meet, or I can basically bail on the lease. The landlord has every right to pursue you for that balance, which means you file for bankruptcy, you liquidate everything. That's it. Like in the, in, you know, that's it. That's game. So all this to say five years ago, um, you know, uh, we signed our five-year lease, sorry, seven years ago, we signed a five-year lease, which was terrifying because that's like $750,000 that's over my head. And every single month, my job is to collect memberships to pay towards that balance and to pocket some money for myself. Well, five years go by and the landlord comes up to me or the, the property manager and he says, okay, Gabe, good job on five years here's your option for moving forward. You can either sign a 15-year lease, a 10-year lease, or you can get out. And I still remember, for whatever reason, I was talking to my mom in the kitchen, and I told her, I don't know why. The gym's doing great. I don't know why 15 years and 10 years do not sound good to me. And she, was like, and she said, you know, why? Why doesn't that sound good? And I just said, you know, it... it I don't know. Eventually I'm going to want to stop. Eventually we're going to have a kid. Uh, maybe I move out of the San Gabriel Valley. I just, 10 years doesn't sound right. And she said, well, look, you can either get out or just throw, throw a Hail Mary. What do you want? And I said, I'm going to just do two years. So I go to the landlord and I say, Hey, you know what? I don't know. I can't do 15 and I can't do 10. I can do two years. And he kind of, you could hear him over the phone. He's like, well, if you do two years, you're going to have a much higher rent. And I said, fine, we'll do that. But I don't know why this was in 2018. And I said, and I quote, I don't know why, but 2020 seems like a good year for our lease to expire. 
<clears throat> oh man. What and, what other what other uh what other crystal ball tricks do you have, Gabe? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. So instead of, you know, a uh, uh, half a million dollar bill over my head, it was something way smaller. And, you know, 20 2019 went fine. And then 2020, January of 2020, I sat down with my wife and I said, look, <clears throat> we didn't know we were actually pregnant at that time. Uh, we just got pregnant at that time. Um, and I said, I don't know if I want to continue with the gym. I sat down with Dave Guerrero, actually. We went to, to grab some lunch and I told him, you know, I think this is it for me. And uh, I just, I don't have the fire anymore. I, I don't, and I feel like I'm selling my members short because it's just not there. It was a young man's game. I loved it, but I'm just, I'm not there anymore. And he said the same thing my wife did, which was, well, then, you know, that's it. Just get out. So January, the decision was, okay, we're going to figure out an exit, but how the heck do you finish a CrossFit gym that's been around for not nine years that has a community of people that has branding that's donated to charities. We've done ads. Like we've been established. How the heck do you wrap up a CrossFit gym? Oh, no. <laughs> I shouldn't be, I should not be laughing, but this is like, you couldn't make this up. This is crazy. Yeah, no, you can't. And, and, um, and then March happened, March happened. It was, it was St. Patty's day. I, I remember it because we had our beer pong tournament that like that week. And I remember the lockdown happened and I was driving with my wife and I turned to her and I said, <laughs> well, I think we have our exit plan ready. And, you know, we thought it was just going to be for a few months. And, and in that case, it still wasn't going to really, uh, the optics still weren't going to be good because you, no matter what, you're just calling it quits. Well, the lockdown continued and it continued and it continued. And, um, you know, we just decided that that was, that was going to be it. And, you know, I would say that that's probably the most, the, the, the most evident where I, I've had God's hand on, on my actions because I felt so, I felt like I was failing my members when I decided to only do a two-year extension. It didn't make sense. And I felt like I was like backhanding them. Like, hey guys, keep coming to CrossFit. This is the greatest gym ever but I'm only going to extend for two years because I don't, because something isn't right. And I, I, I kept going back and forth between doing it or not. And, you know, fast forward and uh, we decided to close up and, you know, yet another moment is, I don't know if you heard, but gym equipment was selling at ridiculous, ridiculous prices. And the, the time to liquidate gym equipment I've never thought of another time where it would be an, a good idea to sell a giant pull-up rig. People were buying that stuff up. It, it was phenomenal. And, um, you know, once that was all done, we did keep an online presence. Uh, that's more for our current members to just kind of try to get them through the pandemic um, so that once gyms do reopen, we can kind of guide them to, to a safe gym that they feel comfortable with. Mm -hmm. um, but... I will say once again, with the big man having his hand over me, you know, we've actually managed to net more money during this pandemic with the gym closed than before. Like we were, you know, we, we doubled our profit margins because we got rid of 
a $13,000 a month overhead. So that was, that was another blessing, man. And I don't get, you know, that's all under the table money. So we just kind of get to keep that. And we got to dissolve our LLC. We no longer exist as a, as a business. So, you know, that whole $800 a month or $800 a year tax is gone. Um, so yeah, man, I could not have thought of a better, a better situation for us specifically uh, to, to wrap up the gym. I mean, it's, it's so interesting. I mean, we, we talked in May and to know this was all kind of happening, uh, you know, before that. And then after that, I mean, uh, you were someone, one of many people that were in my thoughts and prayers, just about all these different small businesses. And it sounds like you, you wanted a way out, but a lot of people weren't necessarily in that position. They wanted to continue with their things. I remember the commercial you guys put out and everything, very cool stuff. Uh, And, you know, you talk about kind of, God's hand being over things, Gabe, like, um, you know, one of my favorite verses is Ecclesiastes 1, or 11, 1, excuse me. And it says, uh, you know, cast your bread upon the waters for you will find it after many days. And basically, there's a time for all of us when we need to pursue things, we need to put our our head down and just go give our all to it. Uh, But there's also a time where we have to let go, we got to let go a little bit. And if that bread does return to us, you know, casting it on the, on the ocean or the water or whatever analogy you want to use, uh, that's tough for a lot of people to just say, hey, I got to let go sometimes. And I can honestly relate to your situation somewhat because being in sports officiating for so long, refereeing and umpiring, I, I gave everything I had to it. I pursued it. I tried to reach the highest levels possible. But over the past couple of years and even recently, I've had to let go and been like, you know what? This has been a good time. It's been a good run. Uh, but for now, I need to let it go and then maybe come back to it or maybe something else happens. So is that kind of your outlook now with not having the CrossFit gym that maybe uh, there's some new avenues, some new, new paths for you to go to uh, pursue here in the near future? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I can answer that two ways. So just from a business standpoint, um, again, I, I think I do a pretty good job of removing emotion from my decisions. And, and I really try to, you know, give myself a 30,000 foot view um, to let go of, I mean, I guess it would be the closest thing I have to a life's work so far. I mean, I started the gym when I was 23. Um, I don't really know adult life without it because now I'm 30, no, now I'm 34. Um, so it kind of raised me and not only that, but the people that were members of the gym, they saw me when I was 23, you know, they, they, I, and I've seen them, they've gotten, you know, they've had kids. We've had members that met each other, got married, had kids all while being members of our gym. (laughs) So, you know, that kind of emotional attachment is very, very deep. But if, if you're going to be in business, if you're going to be a smart business person, you have to kind of remove yourself from that. You have to look at this in terms of I'm a business that, or I'm a business person that has multiple businesses that are going. I need to look at each of these. I need to evaluate them on their merits. Like what, are you, what are you doing? Are you performing or are you not? And the CrossFit gym just was no longer performing. And I knew this, the what's the difference here? The simple answer was we got to cut you the, but it was not an easy answer. And moving forward, 
I, you know, I, I do think that way down the road, um, I would love to open up another fitness facility with a few caveats. I would want to own the building. And that's a big, that's a hefty, that's like, you know, $3 million, $2 million to own a decent sized building. Um, but that would be probably the only way where I can justify it. Like, Hey, there's no downside to this. The gym doesn't work out, move a freaking Verizon in here and they'll pay forever, you know? So, so I think down the road, would there be another gym? I think the answer is yes. And, and it's because this is going to be a whole other offshoot, but I don't care. So you had Bill Lee on this podcast and that was a phenomenal podcast. And he mentioned something that really that struck a chord with me. He said that, you know, the, the one thing that society really needs is accountability. And it was like spot on nail on the head. I absolutely agree. Uh, I'm going to follow it up with a second one. And I think that this is, you, you can take this down a political capitalistic way or not, but I think the second thing that people absolutely need is to compete. I think they, they need to compete in something. And, you know, people keep cracking jokes like, oh, is Cruz going to be a jujitsu guy? Is he going to be a football star? And, and, and honestly, my answer is the same every single time. I don't care what he is. I want him to compete in it. I don't care if he's a ballerina. He's going to become the best ballerina ever. You know, like, <laughs> I don't care what he does. I just care that there are moments where he can, he can get butterflies. I think that's so important for, for growing up and for adults even. And, you know, I think that there's this very gray, what's that quote? You know, people live in the gray twilight that know neither victory nor defeat. I think that's such a terrible place to live. And the only, one of the only ways I know how to get that out of people is through fitness. Um, I don't, you know, we've had people that are in their seventies and through CrossFit, they've learned that, oh, you know what? I can sit down and stand up in this chair 30 times in two minutes. I'm going to try to do it 32 times and, and they compete and they do it. And it's amazing. Um, you know, I, I think that that's something that I think everybody needs. And I want to provide that to people. You know, Ken Drain uh, always talked about competitive greatness. And I think that, you know, out of all the coaches, Todd Carson, I'll always say this, and I mean it, Todd Carson saved my life with just how he treated me, how he brought me in. But Ken Drain probably inspired me the most with quotes like, you know, competitive greatness, which I, I'm, I mean, I'm sure he was taught that from somebody else, but he taught it to me. So that's his now. And, you know, you threw a verse at me. So I'm going to throw a verse at you. It's actually my favorite verse. And I guarantee you, nobody knows about it. It's first Samuel 1748. And the verse is as Goliath moved forward, David rushed out to meet him. And I think that that is the most overlooked verse in the Bible because you have this guy that's not only not supposed to fight, you know, not only is he, you know, out and outsized and whatnot, but he rushes, he like runs out to this challenge. I mean, I get goosebumps talking about it. Oh and, man, you know, I'm, I'm getting teary eyed here, Gabe. <laughs> this is beautiful. <laughs> yeah, man. And, and, you know, I wish, I wish. I wish that was talked about more. The kids that I coach through Care Youth League, they all know about that verse. Um, I've always remembered that verse and it's, it's so overlooked. And I think it's the key to what's going to keep people moving forward is that competitive greatness. Compet co competitive greatness, competition, 
I could talk about it for, for hours and you are absolutely right that you can tell the people that have been through competition uh, in their life and those who haven't. And I don't care if it is basketball or it's chess or whatever it is. It's got to be something where you are trying to achieve something and there is an obstacle, an opponent in your way. And you know what? One of the beautiful things about competition, Gabe, is failure. And, and, mm. I, and, I, and I mean that. Like, winning is great. I, I always uh, tell people I, I, I hated losing more than I loved winning. And that's just, that's just natural. I mean, we're all going to compete. This idea that everyone is the same and everyone should have the exact same job and everyone, that's not realistic. That's not what makes... Uh, us great as a society like you should want the, you should want the job that is above you you should want the house that's a little bigger than your rent. i mean y- there's no that that doesn't mean we can't be content mm-hmm. i think being content is important uh you can go too negative with it but it's also a positive thing you need to be happy with the blessings that are around you but competition you're right no matter what avenue it is no matter what you're in pursuing something, uh, finding a way to have courage, to not be afraid when you are afraid. I guarantee you, Gabe, that in that verse, to say David didn't have fear is, I, I don't think it's, it's looking at it logically. One right. of the, be- the beautiful things of courage is that it's not saying it's the absence of fear. It's saying, no, there's a, a, a huge amount of fear in you but you do something anyway. And so outstanding verse. I think it's fantastic. I love the little details like that in verses or stories when it's like that, that we can take from it. Yeah. He didn't just, Oh yeah. He, he went out to fight the guy. No, no, no. He rushed out there. Very great yeah. stuff. Gabe. Very good. I like it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh man. Competent. You know, uh, I, I went another way with competition. Like I, I kind of stepped aside from it for a while and being an official, I liked kind of managing competition, seeing that competition brings out the best and the worst in people, uh, no matter, again, sports, politics, uh, business, anything. Uh, but I think for those that don't have that competitive greatness, like what motivates you? I mean, what, what, mm. do, you, what do you think about people that don't have it? Do you see that they're just not as motivated or they're just kind of going through the motions? What are your thoughts? Man, it's... <laughs> it's hard to not come across as like a a holier than thou, but I just can't wrap my mind around it. You know, I think it's because it's so ingrained in me um, to, to always want to do more and more and more. And uh, you know, I've told people this before and I think Todd actually talked about this when we were like younger and it was, you know, if you don't think you're the best person on the court, get off the court. And it's like, if you could, if you could hear my thoughts half the time when I'm like rolling in Brazilian jiu-jitsu or, you know, when I was playing football, you would think that I was the most arrogant, obnoxious, overconfident, just like hothead. But, you know, I think that that's what drives, that's what has to drive you. And I mean, look, I, I understand there's this whole society of people that just like want participation trophies. <laughs> I don't really care. Like I, it, yeah, it, it's, it's annoying to see it, but I don't mind that there's those people because the, the, the ladder is crowded at the bottom. 
and that's fine. If they all want to do that, uh, you know, I can, they, they can, they can stay down there all they want. It's not going to, to affect me, but you know, as for me and my household, you know, we're always going to be trying to figure out ways to, to compete. You know, I mean, we do it around here without even trying. Like I could tell you right now, my wife can put down crews from screaming to a nap in four minutes. I can do it in seven minutes. So she's beating me by three minutes. You know, uh, I think she cheats a few times. She's got some other tools that I do not. But aside from that, um, you know, uh, I think that competing is, is oftentimes um, viewed as too aggressive. And I think those are just people that have not been coached properly. Yeah. You know, I think if a, if a really good coach meets, meets somebody, they can convince them, you know, I remember Bill Lee, he used to grade us on our Pledge of Allegiance every club meeting. And, you know, that was not some aggressive competition. That was, hey, who, how good can you, how, how well can you guys do this? Um, great, there's grades in everything, as there should be. And I think people just need to be shown that there are other ways to compete that are not like a, you know, saliva flying, sweat flying, you know, hitting each other. That doesn't need to be what competition is. I think there's a lot of different venues for competition. And I think us, we have a very specific role. And, and I think I differ a lot with um, people from our upbringing, like the RHP, KYL people. I think it's very easy for, for us to kind of just sit back and say, you know, you wusses, you don't know what you're doing. You guys don't know what competition is. Like, go get yourself a participation trophy but see I don't view it that way I view it as well let me show you how you can compete what do you do oh you're you're a server okay well what, what do you say we figure out some way to challenge you this is competition welcome oh by the way you're gonna make some extra money doing this isn't that great isn't it great to get rewarded for your for you winning this competition I I've, I've always viewed it different and I think it's because of CrossFit I've I went from coaching kids to coaching 50 year old adults, like 50 year old <laughs> lawyers. And I had to figure out ways to kind of like tap into that because they didn't understand that, you know? Um, so I don't know. I think, I think there's, it's viewed incorrectly. It's viewed incorrectly. Um, but I think it's for us. I think it's our job to show people that, Hey, there are still ways you can compete and not feel like the biggest loser in the world. Um, I'm sorry. I had to reload. Reload brother. So anyways, um, yeah, I, I do see that problem. I see, I think there's a participation award problem, but I also think that it's up to us to show people that, Hey, there are ways to compete. You just got to be smart about it and figure out what makes you tick. What, what, what I want to comment on is, it, on is that, you know, the people that are just, the, we need people like this also that are just happy with where they're at. They're going to be, you know, the, the ham and eggers, as Bill Barnes calls them, but they're just the people that, you know, they show up and they're just like, all right, I'm happy doing the job I'm in. Like, I'm not looking to, we, we need people like that. All right. But yeah. like you said, the ladder is crowded at the bottom and, you know, you know that's a great, uh, great visual. Let me ask you this, Gabe, because I know you're someone who hates losing like I did and you're a very competitive person. This is a conversation I always had with my dad, with my brother. It's, it's a dark thought, but you got, I don't know. I, I just, I'm curious your, your, uh, your answer here. If you had to lose, 
had to lose a game as the analogy, would you rather get absolutely blown out by 40, 50 points, or would you rather lose by one point on the last play of the game? See, my knee-jerk response, and I probably would have said get blown out in the past, but I think that that's missing an opportunity because there's a good, there's a reason you lost by one point. You know, what was it? Um, you know, we have, uh, one of our, one of our old teammates, uh, in, in varsity baseball. Okay. Um, he, I, I don't think I was in varsity yet. He missed the ground ball throwing home. And I don't know. I, I, you probably are thinking of the name. I can't, um, I won't speak on it too much, but <laughs> he, he missed the ground ball. Either he missed the ground ball or he missed the throw. And I remember hearing the story of him getting to, back from the game and Todd Carson, so maybe it was junior high, hitting the ball to him over and over and over again um, so that he would not, you know, so that he wouldn't do that again. And I think that when you lose a game by that much, by that little, that it, it sparks something in you. And I think that you, you get an opportunity to work on something. It's too easy if you get blown out to just say, oh, well, you know what? We just, we just sucked. They were a better team. They were just so much better than us. But if you lose by one, well, what, why'd you lose? What was the thing? Let's go work on that. That's my, that's my take. What's your take on it? No, I like that. I mean, you lose by one, uh, you can kind of, you know, the, the old, one of my favorite sayings is, you know, if you don't think the, the little things matter, just think of the, the last game you lost by one point. But uh, when you get blown <laughs> out, when you're not even close – to me, you got a lot of things to work on, like a lot. Like, and it doesn't have to be a sports thing. Think about a job, a promotion, or an interview. If you're not, if you're not even in the mix to get to the next uh, group of uh, people that are in consideration for the job, it's like, man, you weren't even close. But if you do get selected at next among the process, it's like, okay, there's something they saw, but there's also something I need to improve on if, if you end up not making it. So the sports analogy – uh, obviously works for guys like you and me. Um, but, but it is interesting, just the whole concept of competition and what it can do for us. I think, I, as I said, it brings out the best and worst in us. Uh, I, I, I firmly believe that because <laughs> I've seen some uh, bad competitors. I was one of them. I was a dirty player. I, <laughs> I, I stretched the rules uh, as much as I could. And that's just my nature. But uh, anyway, no, I think it's outstanding stuff. And you know, I, I do think, I think you will probably have another gym someday. I could see you may, maybe not quite the hands-on approach, maybe kind of taking a step back a little bit, or is that kind of the only role that you know? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so I owned the gym for nine years and I, at, towards the, towards the end, I brought on a coach for me, um, which I mean, anybody that's in a competitive role, whether it's business or whatever, I think should, should bring on a coach. I think that's really important. And we tried putting me in different positions. Um, so we tried me at, you know, boots on the ground in the trenches, coaching the classes. We tried me at a managerial role. Uh, we tried me at a CEO role where I brought on a manager and, you know, to be honest, I think that I, I wasn't ready to be that CEO role yet. I, I still needed to have that, those hands on. Um, I think I just really enjoy that. Um, 
with, with real estate, I'm bringing on a coach again. And right now I'm still very much boots on the ground, but I think eventually, especially with crews getting older, I think I am going to mature into that more hands-off, uh, hands-off approach. And I do think that eventually, you know, I, I am going to establish a little bit more of a real estate presence and have people working under me and, you know, coaching them up, trying to get them to compete with each other and uh, be that CEO role. I think that's, you know, what I would, what I would be into, but I'm too, I'm too hands-on right now. I still have way too much energy, I think. Uh, <laughs> and yeah. Well, more, ener- uh, more energy for a new father is probably a good thing there, Gabe. So mm-hmm. uh, great stuff. Um, it's, it's so interesting. I'm glad, again, things have kind of worked out and, and it sounds like you have a lot of options, a lot of things you're looking at down the road that uh, the sky's the limit. And I know with your attitude, with your uh, competitive greatness that is inside you, that you're going to do uh, some amazing things. Uh, while we're kind of talking about sports, let's kind of talk, talk about some sports that have occurred here the past few months. I know you're really into fighting and, you know, UFC and boxing and things. Uh, but in recent news, actually right after Cruz was born, uh, your Los Angeles Dodgers finally did it, Gabe. They finally got over yeah. the hump and won the World Series. So what was that like for you personally and also uh, your family, seeing the Dodgers win the World Series? Because I know uh, the Perez family, very, very much uh, big Dodger fans. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, my wife still won't listen to me. I said, so far, every baby we have, the Dodgers win the World Series. So if you have like five or six more – you know, we will be just like on top of the world and poor. Um, But, you know, it was, it was, man, it was a long time coming. And I think what makes somebody a true fan is that it isn't about like, oh, I like their, I just like the team. It's when it starts to tie, it starts to tie into like your family roots. Like my earliest Dodgers memory is watching the Dodgers. And I told my mom this and she started crying because she didn't know this was true but I was watching the Dodgers next to my uncle who was, um, he is paraplegic, quadriplegic, I think. He was in a chair and I was three or four. I mean, I don't even remember. And I just told my mom like, oh yeah, I remember sitting next to uncle Norbert and we were watching the Dodger games and she started crying because she didn't know that. And that's, on, that's honestly one of my only memories of my uncle is watching the Dodgers play. And my child memory convinces myself there was a triple play that happened I don't know if that's true I'll have to like look through the archives um but yeah man uh definitely some mixed feelings for my wife when I basically cried more than when my son was born but you know that's (laughs) you know it was it was it was important man I mean it uh last time it happened I was one was I one yeah I was one years old and this time it happened, Cruz was, you know, like one month, no, yeah, one month old or something like that. Um, so it, it just, it's so much more than the Dodgers. It's so much more than sports. It's, it's what it means to like the family. I, I think it's one of the few times where my whole family is all on the same team. Because my family's all over the place. We have, we have Raiders fans. We have Rams fans. We have Cowboys fans. Uh, we have Buccaneers fans. Uh, and then we have 49er fans. So this is like the one time where we're all on the same page and, you know, we're all texting each other back and forth and, you know, commenting on the game and this and that. So it was, it was very important. And I have to ask you this question though, Matt, is, is there an asterisk next to that world series win? 
No. Because the endurance factor was taken out. So you don't think so? Uh, some people want to say that it was, that it, it uh, doesn't mean as much. It wasn't a full season. My argument would be, I had this conversation with Bill, was that, you know, you can add more, you know, they, I know they added more teams to the playoffs. Uh, but I, to my knowledge, they had to win more playoff games than anyone has ever had to do. So, you know, with the addition of playoff games. Now, it's a 60-game sprint. You know, it's one-third the season. The beauty of baseball is the length, that it is a grind. You go on winning mm-hmm. streaks. You go on losing streaks. Um, but I'll, I'll say it this way. As I, as I say with bad weather in football, as I say with, um, with, with anything that kind of causes controversy in sports, is that it's not like it stopped raining when one team got the ball, all 30 major league baseball teams. That's true. That's had, true. Had to deal with this thing. COVID COVID restrictions, no fans. Um, I, I do think I, if you're not going to put an asterisk on the Astros world series, you can't, there you, go. you can't even discuss the asterisk of this season. You, you, you know, you, you just can't. Um, so I, I understand that pe- some people are, you know, especially haters and everything. Oh, well, it's, it was, uh, it was stupid. Uh, I don't know if most people know this, but in 1981, again, a Dodgers championship year, that, that was not a 162 game season. That was a strike shortened season that they event, you know, they, there was labor disputes oh. at Fernando mania. I mean, so to me, it's how, how, fa- how far back do you want to go? Uh, right. In 1981, the 50-day strike uh, ended on the final day of July. So do the math there, whatever you want. I don't know a ton about the details, but I do know that it was a shortened season. And so just because a season is shortened doesn't mean a championship is not uh, – it's not uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, official or whatever, you know? Uh, right. The, the NBA has had shortened seasons, 50-game seasons. I mean – uh, to me, if you want to make a note, fine, go ahead. But to, to act like one team had an advantage over another, oh, wait, that was 2017. Uh, but <laughs> you can't say that about the Dodgers championship. I mean, they were down three games to one to Atlanta, dead in the water, rallied back and beat them. Uh, the Rays, they, they played hard. They were, they, I thought we we're going to take the Dodgers to a game seven. Uh, good series there. Did the Dodgers roll through the Brewers and roll through the Padres? Yeah, but that's, that's to be expected of any playoff series. They won more playoff games than anyone uh, had to do. And after it was all said and done, you know what I find, Gabe, is funny is that 60-game season or not, the two teams that met in the World Series were the two best teams record-wise yeah. in the, yeah, in the leagues. You know, So I don't think you put an asterisk by it. Good. Agreed. I, uh, well, no, I, I, I feel the same way. I just, you know, when you're, when you, when you're crying, when your team wins, you want to look back and make sure no one can claim a cloud on your title. Like you want to be like, all right, this was legit. Everyone shut up and sit down. But one of my best friends is a Braves fan. So, you know, that's, that's this whole back and forth. Cause that was obviously uh, a dagger through his heart. Born but, in Atlanta, born in Atlanta. Grew up with the dad in Atlanta. So okay, we'll family, yeah, same conversation, same <laughs> conversation. Every single time, why? Why are you that fan? What, tell me the story, you know, 
Um, but yeah, dad is from Atlanta, grew up going back and forth to Atlanta. So only watched Atlanta games. Well, here's the thing is that the Braves are so used to only playing in the first round that they're only, they're only used to five game series. So they, they, that's just what they're used to. So they, they played well through, uh, through four games and in their minds are like, Oh, this is how long series go. But no, they go, they go seven games. Yeah. It's the best of seven, not best of three. So uh, maybe the Braves will, will, will get the over the hump someday and, and win four games in a series, not three. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's good. I'm going to, I'm going to relay that to him. I might get shot. He's a, he's a cop. So we'll see how that goes. Oh yeah. I, yeah, yeah let's, let's be a little careful there. Uh, we, we might need you for another podcast someday. Uh, well, 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 great stuff. I think it's great for the city. I'm not a fan of all the rioting and everything, but I understand it's a long time coming. Uh, this is something I thought about today. Actually, my grandfather's been passed away a long time and, uh, I was just a freshman in high school when, uh, I think he passed. So I, I wish I would have been at that age where we could have talked, you know, Dodger baseball and stuff. He was a huge Dodger yeah. fan, huge Dodger fan. And so kind of echoing your statements about Dodger baseball, like my grandfather got back from World War II. They lived in New York. My grandfather saw the Dodgers in New York. Man. And then years later, or not too long after they moved to California, in uh, whatever that was, 1970, and then the Dodgers are there now. So kind of bookending that I think is pretty awesome. And, I, and it just yeah. hit me today, like, wait a minute, Grandpa Leo, he saw the Dodgers in New York and L.A. That's pretty awesome. So he actually knows, like, oh, yeah, that's why they're called the Dodgers. You know, like, that's, like, that's OG when you actually know why they're called the Dodgers because you were in New York when they were there. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, and I love, I love the stories. You could say that about the Lakers. Why are, they, why are they the Lakers? But, you know, something baseball-related. See if you know this, Gabe. Uh, so the Dodgers and the Giants used to be in New York, right? Mm-hmm. And so some people don't know about this. Uh, uh, don't quote me or anything. But when the New York – Mets, the Metropolitans came along. That's how they got their colors. They took the blue from the Dodgers and the orange from the Giants who had left. And so that's really why, that's why the Mets are blue and orange. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. First time I heard that, my mind was blown. I mean, whoa, that makes sense, but I never <laughs> heard that. <laughs> I, I love stuff like that. And uh, yeah, the Dodgers, you know, people never ask that question. Why are they called the Dodgers? But yeah, trolley Dodgers. Come on, New yep, York. There you go. That's exactly um, it. Well, anyway, uh, Gabe, listen, uh, listen to much of the podcast lately. You sound like you got some memories from Bill Lee, and so, I know you're you're busy being a father and all that stuff now. But yeah, yeah man, I'll I'll be honest, and I told you this before we we hopped on here. Um, you know, being a father is great, and you know it hasn't been like putting us through the ringer like we we projected it would, but it definitely has forced me to change focus. Uh, I have not been, I don't really watch TV anymore. We watch like, we only have Netflix. Um, so I haven't really been f- following up on or keeping up rather with podcasts at all. Um, I watched, uh, not watched. I listened to you and Bill about the, when was the last one I listened It was about the election, obviously. Um, but it was just about when, um, maybe it wasn't during the election, but I listened to that. And then Bill Lee, I try, I try to chime in every once in a while, listen in on some, yeah. but it, right now it's just been, you know, what time is it? It's feeding time. What time is it? It's nap time. <laughs> what time is it? Wake time. So that's kind of how things have been. But is, how's, uh, how's Bill doing? Is, didn't he get sick? 
he got COVID. Um, he's, uh, let's see, by Wednesday, he'll be over his 14th day and he's doing fine. He's recovering. And I know a lot of people uh, were concerned and just, you know, happy that he's, he's getting through it. So uh, of all the people to get it that I know, of course, it was him. And it was fun talking with him on Wednesday, actually, or Friday, Friday about it. Uh, but he's doing well. He's doing well, still as fired up as ever. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't worried about him for a second. People like him don't die from COVID. <laughs> you got that right. Um, well, well, let me, you say you're watching a lot of TV. I think you were one of the people that mentioned to me about the show Yellowstone. I know your wife is oh, from man. Wyoming. Uh, I had heard good things about it. We finally dove in. It's a little bit out there. We finished it. Uh, you know, the series, uh, there's more shows coming, I'm sure. But it, I liked it right off the bat because I was like, man, this would be cool to live, live in this region. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a little far-fetched with some things. But still, hey, it's TV. It's supposed to be. So uh, what are your thoughts on Yellowstone? And uh, Oh, man. So, here, so we, we watched it as soon as we heard about it. Uh, we, we actually, I kept hearing about it all like for the past few years, maybe. And we finally, during the lockdown, go figure everyone watched everything. Um, so we watched Yellowstone and just ate it up. And, uh, I think it's really cool to watch it because my wife's from Wyoming and the, one of the funny parts of the mo- or of the show is the train station. The train yeah. station just so happens to be, you have to drive in, drive into Wyoming <laughs> where there's like no <laughs> there, there's no governing body and that's where you can like dump people uh what's crazy about that is you know people want to say that's far-fetched uh karina has told me multiple times when you're in wyoming and you are driving through the reservation don't stop don't speed don't do anything just just go through the reservation because the uh, Bureau, B, the BIA Bureau of Indian Affairs, they're like no nonsense. They will mess you up. And there's like they're they're the you know judge, executioner, jury, or whatever that phrase is. It, it's it's legit. And, and Karina's said it multiple times. Um, not joking either. She said, you know, if somebody ever, if we hear anybody goes missing we know that they're somewhere on the reservation and they're probably not going to be found because it's only, it's only governed by the native Americans and there's not a lot of BIA officers. There's it's, it's like, I can't remember what the, the, the ratio is, but it's like something ridiculous, like not even close. And you look at the map of the reservation and it's, huge dude like it really is like a black spot on the map where things just go missing and i don't know if you watch this movie but have you seen the movie called wind river no dude okay your homework assignment is to watch wind river it's actually about the reservation um it's the wind river reservation and it's just outside of wyoming once again if not in wyoming and it's, it talks about how a major problem in, in Native American society is that a lot of women go missing and it isn't reported. They're just, you know, if you want to talk about how, how far along women's rights and safety have come, you just need to look back a little bit and, and they're still working through that. It's, it's really bad. And um, 
so anyways, all this to say Yellowstone is not that far off. Like it's pretty, it's pretty country. And, and when we go to Wyoming, you'll see people like that, that are just like, you look at them and they just look country. They got a, you know, they have a big truck, they call them rigs and uh, they get out with everything Carhartt and the dude's like a millionaire and no one knows it. He does not, he's not going to tell you. And everyone's got a, a gun in their car and you just, you don't step out of line because you will get checked. You know, when we've been in Wyoming, um, I, <laughs> I'm called a non-local. So it's, uh, some people think I'm a native American when I, when I go to Wyoming. Uh, so I kind of, I kind of pass, but other people that can tell I'm not a native American and they can tell that I'm not from there. Uh, I've gotten in a few little shoving matches with people at the bars because I'm not local and I don't belong there. And, you know, what are you doing here? And Karina's usually the one to step in and basically like flash her card, like, hey, I'm a local, back yeah. off. <laughs> um, and I'm like, great. If I get in a fight here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get beat up because there's like five of these and they're big dudes, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but all this to say, we watched Yellowstone uh, maybe a year ago. or may No, that's not true. Maybe like four or five months ago. But we had an extra special treat because Karina's parents, um, born and raised in Riverton, Wyoming, came to visit us like a week ago. And they stayed with us for nine days. And we introduced them to Yellowstone. Oh. And dude, I've never seen people call out scenes before they happen with such accuracy. Wow. Like it, it, it was really cool because they're sitting there like, <laughs> this is how her dad sits. Just like, just watches, <laughs> just arms crossed, no, no expression on his face. Um, but they loved it. It is super relevant. Um, yeah. There's always the cinematics where they exaggerate certain things, but the scene where if you haven't seen Yellowstone and I'm going to spoil it for you, I, I don't feel bad. Um, the scene where the sheriff throws those dudes in the horse trailer. Fantastic. Okay. So my, uh, my, my mother-in-law's name is June. <laughs> when the sheriff shows up to the scene and is like, where are the guys that did it? Yeah. June, I kid you not. As soon as he saw the guys, she's like, Oh, put him in the horse trailer. <laughs> <laughs> and then, as soon as they're in the horse trailer and he slams on the brake, she's like, Ooh, that was too hard. He's going to kill him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but man, it's, it's such a good, it's such a good show. Um, it really makes me proud that my son is not only has Wyoming blood, but is going to get to see Wyoming all the time. Like yeah. we already, we, we switched our credit card to, um, or we're in the process of switching our credit card to United because United is the only airline that flies into Riverton. And it's because, you know, we're going to spend summers and springs in Wyoming, you know, with, with Karina's job of being a teacher, she has breaks anyways. And then in real estate, I'm able to work remotely. So we're going to be able to spend like three months or sorry, three weeks to like a month and change of a whole summer just in Wyoming, just like living out there. So it's going to be awesome. I, I mean, I can't wait for that. Very, very neat, man. Go Cowboys. Go, go Wyoming Cowboys. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, good yeah, the show, it's like, uh, you know, everything's compared to the Sopranos now. But it's like, yeah, it's Cowboys, uh, <laughs> Wild West Sopranos. It, it's cool. It's, it's modern Cowboys. 
uh, it's really neat. I thought it was well done. Uh, I definitely like Rip. He's Rip's pretty. Oh, cool. Rip! Yeah, he's he's a he's a Gabe Perez type for sure. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, okay, a homework assignment. Did you ever see Black Feet Boxing? No, it's ESPN did this um, <clears throat> one hour special uh, back in the summer and it was called Blackfeet boxing. And it's talk. It was uh, it's a club that was founded uh, the, the Blackfeet nation boxing club. It's on the black feet uh, reservation. Black, I'm sorry, Blackfeet. Yeah. Um, it's basically this uh, a training of boxing for women um, to kind of train them in self-defense uh, to address the epidemic of missing indigenous women. It was pretty fascinating to see that these guys, you know, this guy, they train these women, these young girls in boxing, just so they have, just so they have some type of defense. It was really interesting, yeah. really well done ESPN plus, or you could probably find it other places. Uh, but yeah, that's up in the Blackfeet reservation is in Browning, Montana. Uh, mm. but you know, it, it was, I thought it was really cool. I'm, I'm a big fan of, of any fighting. And I thought that was a pretty well done, uh, little mini documentary they did. Uh, well, Gabe, we can't talk to you without kind of talking about fighting, uh, whether it be boxing or, or UFC. I know you haven't had much time cause you're busy with the whole dad thing and everything else, but, uh, as fights are kind of becoming more of the norm now, even though there's no fans and stuff. What are some fights you would like to see happen in UFC oh. or, or boxing? I mean, I know there's probably a few, but, but who are some that you'd like to see? For me, boxing, I'd love to see Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford fight. I don't know when that'll happen. Uh, they say McGregor's going to fight in January against Poirier. Is that right? Dustin Poirier? I can't remember. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I like watching Masvidal. I think he's always fun to watch no matter what. Um, I don't know the, the UFC and boxing there's, there's plenty to watch and I know you're someone who's really into it. So who are some, or maybe some fights you'd like to see in the next few months or year, man, you know, I, I think I would, um, you know, what's difficult is I kind of go down these offshoots. So I watch a lot of grappling now, um, which is like a whole other underground thing. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I would say in terms of UFC, uh, I understand Khabib retiring. Like I understand that. And there's no way you could push against that, but man, I just wish we had a few more, a few more fights out of him because it's just the dominance, man. Like the, the absolute dominance that, that Khabib has is the, the, only another name comes to mind. Um, when I see Khabib fight and that's, uh, do you know who Fedor Emelianenko is? No, no. Oof. So they call him the last emperor and um, oh, that's he was, <laughs> dude, no, here's the thing. All right. You got more homework, Matt. See, this is what happens when we don't talk for very long. You I get know. Behind. I so Fedor Emelianenko, good luck spelling it. Um, but if you honestly YouTube Fedor, he'll pop up. Okay. He was by far the most dominant fighter that's, that's ever been around. Uh, he, he kept fighting like always. He started losing as he got older. Um, but just the most nonchalant, just like, okay, is it time to fight? Okay, let's do this. And he would just whoop people. It's just phenomenal fighter. Uh, but anyways, to your question, I really want to see Usman fight again. And I want to see him fight Covington. Um, oh. I think, I think that would be a good fight. Um, oh, yeah. Okay, I got to ask you, Matt. I, this is a serious question here. 
Did you like Covington before he became a Trump fighter? Uh, honestly, I didn't know him before all of that. So okay. I can't really answer it. I have seen, uh, what's it called? Behind the Grind, which is like a YouTube uh-huh. document where it was like him and Masvidal were buddies. Now they're mm-hmm. enemies or whatever, but they were buddies and kind of behind the scenes seeing them come up through the ranks. So uh, yeah, quite honestly, um, I, I didn't really know it. I just thought he's always been that way. So I don't really know all of it. Masvidal thinks he's some like, you know, fake dude or whatever. So I honestly don't know. I, I do know when I watched that first Usman Covington fight, uh, I was in Dallas. Um, my brother Sam and I were watching every round of it. And uh, I was cheering for Covington, of course, but I thought it was an incredible fight. I really did. Yeah. His jaw got broken and he hung in there. And uh, Usman, hands down, the better fighter that night. And, and probably as, of, as it stands right now, until they meet again, probably is a better fighter. But we'll see. So that's kind of my answer to your question, I guess. Yeah. I, the, the, the only thing is I, I don't like – I don't – and I don't care if, like, if, if Usman became, like, this, like, waving a Biden banner around and people started loving him – I would dislike it just as much. I just, I, I liked that Conor McGregor talked crap on his own skills. Like he was like, I'm going to whoop you because I'm so much, I'm so much more superior than you. You know, I, you know, he was by, by a long shot, not the best fighter that UFC has ever seen. I want to make sure people do not think that Conor McGregor is the best fighter that UFC has ever seen. I'm going to say it again. Conor McGregor is not the best fighter that UFC has ever seen, but the dude could sell tickets based on his smack talk and his skills. I don't like that Covington is like catering to a certain crowd to kind of pull fans in because when the, when the time comes and you're in the octagon, if you talked trash on some political candidate that's not there anymore. Conor McGregor, you're going to talk crap on and say you're a better fighter because you're that much better. Well, then that's fine. That's going to be with you in the ring. Um, but I just, I don't like it when that happens. And, and it's for that reason. Maybe I'm falling into it, but it's for that reason. I want to see Colby Covington fight Usman because Colby Covington, it, it, you have to be tricky. You have to be careful with how you say this because it's like saying a, a, a football player sucks. Like, obviously they don't suck. Like they'll destroy you if they meet you in a hallway, but Colby Covington, he doesn't really finish fights. He's, he's a great wrestler, which tends to kind of be the, the burden on wrestlers is they, they, they know their trade and they know how to finish a fight because they can control people on the ground, but they tend to not finish fights. Now you get a jujitsu guy. They know how to finish fights because they, they can choke you. They can manipulate a joint. They can break an arm. They can, you know, hyperextend your knee. They can make you give up. But wrestlers tend to have a harder time finishing fights. So I want to see Colby Covington finish more fights before I, before I like him. Right now, I think that he is a great – he's a phenomenal fighter. I, I have to keep saying that. He's a phenom- all of these guys are phenomenal fighters. But I don't think Colby Covington is that good relative – I think he needs to finish more fights. And I don't like that he was able to kind of pull up a lot of fans by starting to like become more pro-Trump. And you know what the burden is? The burden of proof is on me. There was an article where he flat out said like, you know, these aren't my beliefs, but I knew it was going to pull in a fan base. And I was like, yeah, I don't like that. I don't like that you did that. 
Well, take Trump out of it. What I like about Covington is that he calls out the modern day, uh, I don't know another term, so you're going to have to bear with me, the modern day woke athlete, uh, mm-hmm. where, where they care so much about uh, defunding the police and being critical. Of, uh, mm-hmm. I like a guy who's pro-military, pro-police. It doesn't have to be a Trump guy or not. Uh, and yeah, he, a lot of things he says, they, they run me the wrong way, tr- honestly. But yeah. I love that he calls out <clears throat> LeBron James. He calls out guys like that because I can't stand uh, the, the, the politics in sports now, which is funny because I like that guy. And he, he's, you know, Mr. Forefront of politics. Uh, but Masvidal, same thing. He, he's, he's been open about some of his beliefs and everything. I just hate that it's one-sided. You can, you can believe or speak out on one cause or one candidate, but not on others. And it's just like, right. that's inconsistent. So, um, but anyway, I think I, I would love to see Covington versus Masvidal, the winner of that fights Usman, and we can just kind of put an end to some of these debates. What, what do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Now, I mean, the competitiveness in me, I want them to fight again. <laughs> and I want, I want Covington to win so that they can fight again, you know, like, yeah. cause these things just kind of feed into that. Yeah. And, oh man, you want to, you want to touch, touch a hot button. I could not stand when Covington called out LeBron and people warned Covington not to do that because LeBron would beat him up. I'm like, guys, <laughs> guys, you just, it just shows, it just shows the lack of awareness. Like these people have never been, I can tell you right now, as, as soon as I, if I'm sparring with somebody, I can tell you the second I touch him, this guy's a wrestler because yeah. wrestlers are freaks. Like, like the strength they have is, is, is kind of creepy. Like it's like a monkey. And, you know, for, for people to say like, oh, Covington, be careful because LeBron, I, I would love for them to do that. Please, oh, please. Oh, it would be <laughs> magical. It would be magical. Uh, for, yeah, the tough, guy, the tough guys that come out of uh, sport or, uh, you know, other non-fighting sports who think they could, they could roll with a, a fighter is hilarious. Um, like, you know, what did I see? I saw Canelo Alvarez, him and um, Steph Curry were golfing together. And jokingly, Curry, they got like, you know, put his fists up and they were just like, you know, fake fighting or whatever. And Canelo like, like with, before Curry could like move, he like reached the top, touched the top of his head or something and like brought his hands back and, and Curry just like started laughing like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> These dudes are quick. Uh, and the last thing kind of fighting like, or, or sports related, you know, some of my favorite athletes, uh, uh, London Fletcher, Marshall Falk, Gabe, if you put a gun to my head right now, I could not tell you what their political beliefs were. Mm. Who they who they voted for? Uh, this was years ago. Those guys have been out of the game uh, in football a long time. It's just crazy that everything is politicized now. Whereas sports should be something where, like you talked about with the Dodgers, we sit around, uh, you have a beer. Uh, heck, if you're at a game, which is foreign now, if you're at a game, you high five a stranger. You don't you don't care who they vote for, where they come from. They're wearing your team's jersey, man. Like. I don't like that sports has become this divisive thing. The only dividing factor in sports should be like, you don't root for my team. I root for another team. You're my rivalry. It shouldn't be this. uh, (laughs) It shouldn't spill over into politics and society and things. I know there's some causes where you got to speak out or whatever, but sports is an escape for most people. At least it is Mm -hmm. for me. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and um, you know, you sent me, what was it? You sent me a Facebook message. And it was, uh, it was an interview with somebody 
And I think we responded with like, I don't want to, I don't want to read any, or I don't remember what it was, but long story short, I, I don't want politics in, in sports, like you said. And I feel like the last, the last island is, is, is fighting. And, and here's the reason why. UFC is like 50% non-English speakers. Like these, like 25% of them are Brazilian. It's They're, global. Yeah. International. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's why like, I, I don't want to see, I don't want to see a, a Biden flag, a, a, a Trump flag. I don't want to see, I want to see somebody coming in with a U.S. flag and then somebody coming in with a Brazilian flag. And I want to see them fight. Like, that's what I want. I don't know what the status of Brazil or, you know, or, you know, <laughs> Russia, like, I don't know what their, their situations are. And I don't care. I, it's cool that you're a Russian. I want us to beat you. Cool. And a lot of times that will almost play a factor into it. Like if I don't know the two fighters and one of them is, you know, one of them is us one is, I don't know, Swedish. Of course, I'll just vote for the USA one. A lot of times I'll do research, but you know, it, it, it is nice that UFC was, is kind of like, not UFC, grappling for that matter, is kind of like the last global sport that isn't touched too much. And, um, you know, I, I love it to stay that way. And I think that's why so many people were, I don't, maybe they weren't surprised, but like when Dana White just was like, screw you guys, I'm building an island and we're going to fight out there. Yeah. That didn't surprise a lot of people because yeah. Dana White's always been like that. Uh-huh. You know, uh -huh. he's always kind of been like, screw you, we're doing this because fighting is what people need. I don't care what the regulations are. Oh, we can't fight on land. I'll build an island, you know, or whatever. So that wasn't surprising. We need fighting to bring people together in this dark time. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it, it sounds weird, but it's absolutely true. I mean, I, I've, I've watched more fights the past few years than, uh, than I ever did before. And, and especially the past few months, every Saturday night, I tune into something. So, oh, Gabe, absolutely great. Outstanding stuff, competition, combat, but you know what? Uh, you know, just some good things as well. It, just great things. I'm so happy for you, for your wife. Um, Man, it's, it's been fun. The time has flown by, man. We've almost been going an hour and a half now. I know you got <laughs> probably got some things to get to, and, and Karina probably has some jobs for you to do here soon. So, oh, yeah. Any, any, <laughs> any closing remarks here, Gabe? No, man. It, this is, I, I'm glad we got the first, I think the first podcast that we did was cool, but it, it, was, uh, it was kind of like an overview. I, I like this better. We're able to kind of dive into stuff. So, this was good. I like this. Yeah, as I kind of bring people back, that's what I want to do is just talk about, you know, current events and kind of interests and just like, hey, let's, we, we, we already, we, we made it through the biography. Now let's get uh, to the, to the meat and potatoes of things, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, Gabe, uh, congrats again. Give my best to Karina. Uh, cheers to you, my friend. It's been a pleasure talk, talking with you. Um, you know what? I'm sure I'll be texting you soon about some fights or some football or cross. For I don't sure, know. definitely. We'll be in touch, Gabe. Thanks again. All right. Sounds good, man. A big thank you to Gabe Perez for coming back on the program. We look forward to chatting with you again down the road. Always fun catching up and obviously talking a little bit of combat sports, some fighting. I mean, uh, what, what better way to bring people together? 
than to talk about fighting. You know what I mean, Gabe? So uh, anyway, let's let's do it again soon. My all my best to Karina, to Cruz, the entire Perez family. I uh, haven't talked or seen you guys in a long time, but uh, to to the rest of you out there, man, uh, happy Thanksgiving, Merry Christmas, uh, all of the above. I, I wish you all nothing but the best, and hope to talk to you all very very soon. Thank you again, Mr. Gabe Perez. Well, guys, that will wrap up this week of shows on the Get Home Safe podcast. It was fun uh, doing some episodes during the holiday season uh, as we started this up in March ish, uh, February March. We didn't get a chance to kind of do the Thanksgiving and the Christmas uh, last year. So this year we're going to dive right in, have plenty to say about it, and yes, continue to celebrate those holidays, even though maybe some people don't want us to. But we're going to celebrate it anyway. Uh, guys, there are plenty of ways to follow the Get Home Safe podcast. Our Twitter handle is Get Home Safe Pod. Our Facebook and Instagram page is Get Home Safe Podcast. And our email address is Get Home Safe Podcast at yahoo.com send us an email send us a question content suggestion uh you want to vent about your sports team or just kind of tell me how things are going or just kind of weird random situations that we can talk about anything guys anything we'd love to hear from you just like you hear from us here on the get home safe podcast mondays wednesdays and fridays there's also some links in the episode notes to send in a voice message if you'd like to have your voice heard on the show much like a caller calling into a radio show uh you can leave a message it can be uh, as short as you want but there is a one minute limit on there so uh, have what you're gonna say prepared and just have at it we'd love to hear from you uh, guys, I do want to mention the big fight this weekend. It's an exhibition, I know, but it's one of a kind, if you will. It's Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. Saturday night at Staples Center in Los Angeles. Uh, it's pay-per-view, but it's not quite as expensive as most pay-per-views are. Uh, two fighters who are coming out of retirement, uh, guys in their 50s. Uh, Mike Tyson, I know, is 54. I'm not sure about Roy Jones Jr., but should be a lot of fun to see Iron Mike back in the ring. Uh, say what you will about uh, some of his personal life issues or whatever. He is one heck of a fighter, and I'm looking forward to that fight on Saturday night. After some uh, college football and some Christmas tree decorating, I will uh, sit up on the couch and watch that fight. Watch two old men get after each other. So it should be a lot of fun. I hope you uh, you guys tune in, and there'll be plenty to talk about on Monday with NFL action, college football, and of course, we will recap that fight that occurred in Los Angeles. So I'm going to try to have my brother back on for our Monday episode so that it's not just me rambling away, but we can kind of share some conversation and some topics regarding uh, our sports recap show that we will be doing on Mondays. Well, that's it for me, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. There's plenty to be thankful for, and I'm thankful for all of you, for all the listeners who tune in and offer me support on a regular basis. I wouldn't have it any other way uh, to to have so many friends, family, even people I, I don't know or haven't met who tune into this show. Uh, it's truly a blessing, and I love talking into this mic, rambling away. Sometimes I don't know what to say, and I get carried away, if you will. But uh, I just uh, really appreciate the support. It, it keeps me going, keeps me motivated to continue to put out fun episodes weekly. Thanks again, Gabe Perez. Karina Perez, congrats on uh, Cruz Perez. It's been a blast catching up with Gabe and talking about the family. Guys, have a great weekend. It's just getting started, even though we had Turkey Day yesterday. Uh, For those of you who are off today, hey, 
Enjoy the four-day four day weekend. And for those of you who had to go in, like I'm going to have to go in here in a few minutes to uh, my job. Hey, it's only one day. And then we get back to uh, celebrating uh, the holidays, decorating, and all those great things. All right. I know I said that's enough, but it really is enough for me this time. All right, guys. Enjoy yourselves. And guys, no matter what you're doing, whether you're out on the town or around in third base, get home safe. Thank you.